Excuses. At some point in our lives, we've all made excuses for why we cannot do something. Sometimes we simply make excuses to get out of doing something that we really don't want to do. We find that it's easier to do this than to be honest with others because we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. But excuses go far deeper than just this. We can also make excuses to ourselves to justify our inaction. And so we say things like, I just don't have the time, or I'm too young, or I'm too old. I don't have enough money. I'll never make it. No one will listen to me. I don't know how to do it. I'm not talented or smart enough, or I'm afraid of what others will think of me. These are some of the biggest excuses that we often make when it comes to most things. And yet, fear is what lies at the center of it all. It's the fear of doing something that makes us uncomfortable or stepping into something that we don't fully understand. So often we refuse to do new things, to step out of our comfort zones into something that could truly bring us joy, simply because we're afraid of failure. It's easier to make excuses and to let those excuses justify our inaction. As we continue our sermon series today from Exodus, we find that one of the biggest heroes of the Bible, of our faith, Moses, was also guilty of making excuses. Now, Moses was born a Hebrew in the land of Egypt when Pharaoh had commanded that all of the male babies born be put to death. So after childbirth, his mother uh, hid him for about three months while she nursed him. And then when she could hide him no longer, she put him into God's hands, praying that God would keep him safe. And so she put him in a basket of reeds and placed him on the bank of the Nile River, close to where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. Now, Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and instead of having him killed, as the Pharaoh had decreed, she has him nursed. And providentially, by God's own doing, he is nursed by his own birth mother. So Moses grows up, and he grows up living in the palace of Egypt, but he was not an Egyptian, and he knows this. And so one day he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. Overcome with anger, Moses killed the Egyptian, and he buried him in the sand. But when Pharaoh found out what Moses had done, he tried to kill Moses. So Moses fled away as a fugitive and ran away to the land of Midian. While there, Moses began a new life, becoming a shepherd. He got married and had a son and took care of the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro. But one day, Moses took the flocks to the far side of the wilderness to a place called Horeb. And while there, he noticed a strange sight. He saw that a bush was on fire, but it didn't consume the bush. And so his curiosity got the best of him and he went over to check it out. And when he did so, God spoke to him, calling him by his name. And he revealed that he was the God of his fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses was startled, to say the least. And then God tells him that he has seen the misery of his people in Egypt. He has heard their cries, and now he has come down to rescue them. And he intends for Moses to lead his people out of slavery. God tells them this. So now go, 
I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, I've got to be honest with you. I I can't blame Moses for questioning God on this. I mean, if you think about it for a moment, Moses is a wanted man. He's a fugitive on the run, wanted for murder. And God is asking him to go right back into a hostile territory to confront the most powerful man in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh. Not only is he to go back, but he is also to demand that Pharaoh let the Hebrew slaves go freely. Moses knows this is a very bad idea. Surely God's made a mistake here. So he says to him, who am I that I should go? Translation, God, of all the people that you could have chosen for this task, I am the worst pick. You might want to find somebody else. But God doesn't change his mind. God hasn't made a mistake. He knows exactly what he's doing. And so he responds back to Moses, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God reassures Moses that he's not alone on this journey and that he will lead his people out and he will return to the same place to give appropriate praise due to God for rescuing his people. He'll know that God is true to his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and now even to him after this mission is accomplished. But Moses is still not convinced. Rather than responding with obedience, Moses continues to make excuses. He starts with hypothetical questions intended to get off the hook, but God gives him straight answers of what he will do and how he will help him. So finally, Moses says, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Translation, let me off the hook, Lord. I have a speech impediment, a disability that will prevent me from doing what you ask of me. Now, once again, Moses comes up with an excuse and God patiently rebuffs his argument by telling him that he is the one who created mouths, hearing, and sight. To him, Moses' argument's not good enough. So God responds, Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Once again, God reassures Moses that he will not be alone in doing this task. Now God doesn't promise to heal him from his disability, but he promises to work through his struggles to carry out his divine plan. You would think that Moses would finally come around, but he doesn't. Instead, he tells God one more time, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Translation, I don't want to go. Please send someone else besides me to do it. Well, finally, God's patience starts to wear thin and God gets angry with Moses. He essentially tells Moses, look, I'll meet you halfway. Your brother Aaron is a good speaker. He can assist you and you can talk to him and he can speak to Pharaoh. But once again, God says to him, I will help both of you speak and I will teach you what to do. God is willing to readjust his plan to a stubborn Moses. 
but refuses to let him squirm out of this unexpected call. For God knows that Moses is the right person for the job. You see, Moses was drawn from the water and put into the palace for a reason. Moses already has a connection with Pharaoh and is known by all of God's people there. And God will not allow Moses to hide as a fugitive any longer. He has called him by name and he plans to use him to deliver his people from many years of oppression. But the only thing that's preventing Moses from embracing this call is his own excuses, which are rooted in fear. He fears for his life. He fears that the Israelites won't listen to him. And he's afraid of the unknown. To answer God's call means that he's got to step out in faith, trusting God in this call, even though he'd rather not move. But isn't this true for all of us? I mean, truth be told, many of us are just like Moses. We are afraid of what God might ask us to do. It's easier for us to run away and to hide, hoping that God won't find us. Yet we know in our heart of hearts that we can't really hide from God. So we just do our best to ignore God when he unexpectedly calls us to do something. We pretend as if that burning bush isn't really there or that we didn't really hear the spirit nudging us to do something that we'd rather not do. We want to remain comfortable instead of being challenged. We want to focus our efforts on what makes us happy rather than being inconvenienced in any way to do something that we don't feel equipped or even qualified to do. Like Moses, we tell God, you've got the wrong person, Lord. I'm not talented enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't speak well. I'm too young. I'm too old. I've already served my time. Let somebody else do it. Lord, please just ask someone else. Just like Moses, we make excuses because we're afraid of the unknown. We're too afraid of failure. Honestly, I understand this very, very well. You see, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I haven't made the same excuses to God. I have. God caught me off guard with an unexpected phone call while I was serving my last church in Columbia A good friend of mine called me and told me that he wanted to give my name to a pastor search committee. I laughed at him and I told him, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not interested. Angela and I had just bought a house in Columbia. We'd only been in it for just a year. Angela had a great job there and I loved serving at Eastminster. I was comfortable and I was happy. And then he revealed that it was this church and then I just rolled my eyes. Oh, the irony that God could be doing something that would bring me back home. So I finally told him that he could share my name with that search committee, but that it would take an act of God for me to move. Long story short, I had a phone interview with the PNC here for over three hours. It wasn't your typical interview because I gave them every reason why they should not hire me as their pastor, every reason why I was not qualified to do this job. There's no doubt in my mind that they had to be scratching their heads wondering what I was thinking about whenever I talked about what I hadn't done in ministry. But I wanted to be honest with them. And I wasn't running away from something because I needed a job. If it didn't work out, it was totally fine with me. It really needed to be a call. So like Moses, I prayed to God, 
Lord, I'm not the guy for this. I've never led a session meeting or a congregational meeting. I've never trained officers before. I've never even managed a large staff. Surely you've got someone out there who's better equipped to lead this church. Lord, please send someone else. You'd think that the PNC here would have said, we can't go with this guy. <laughs> He's given us every reason why we shouldn't, he shouldn't be the pastor here. But for some reason, they didn't. God kept nudging them and me. And even after they extended the call for me to come and be the pastor here, honestly, I was scared out of my mind. Now, I knew that God was leading all of it, but I was afraid of failure. I was anxious about Angela not having a job. I was anxious about having to find a house here in such a short amount of time. I was anxious about trying to sell a home that we had just been in for one year. I was anxious about getting our kids into the right school and for everything to work out the way that it needed to. I was anxious about not knowing what might happen with me leading this church. I wasn't sure how it would all go. Would I be equipped for the task? Could I do it? Or would it be a mess? Like Moses, people knew me here, and I wasn't sure if they would even listen to me. Yet despite all my fears, despite all the anxiety, despite my hesitation and excuses, God kept telling me, I will be with you. Isn't that what God told Moses? He did it three times, to be exact. And I have found in my own life that God doesn't call us to do something that God isn't going to help us do. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have all the right answers. And you don't have to be perfect because God is always using imperfect people to carry out his perfect purposes. It doesn't matter if you have a disability or even if you've messed up in life, God can use whomever he chooses to declare his good news. I mean, just take a look. Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer and an adulterer. And Paul persecuted the church before God unexpectedly called him to go and declare his good news. We can make excuses, all the excuses in the world for why we can't do what God calls us to do. But there's not one excuse good enough to justify our refusal to move. We cannot allow our fears to prevent us from answering God's unexpected call. In fact, the most quoted phrase in Scripture, it's over 400 times in our Bibles, is do not be afraid or do not fear. If God calls us to do something, whether it's to teach a Sunday school class or to speak in front of the church or to serve on a mission trip or well, to become a missionary in a foreign land or to be a pastor, whatever it might be, we have nothing to fear because God is not going to abandon us in what he's called us to do. Instead, we should rejoice that we are serving a divine purpose, that God is using us to help others to, that need to know that God is real, that God is present with us, and that God loves them more than they could ever truly grasp. You see, Moses was scared, but God was faithful. And God indeed kept his promise to him. Moses did return to Horeb with the Israelites and worship God on that same mountain. So there's no doubt that God led Moses. And there's no doubt that God will also lead us. We might be scared. 
and anxious and nervous. But God is always faithful to those who answer his call to go. So friends, today my prayer is that we would not be afraid, that we wouldn't hide, or that we wouldn't even make excuses when we hear God's call. Instead, we should embrace it, knowing that God will guide us, that God will lead us all the way through. He will not let us fail. For our God is not a God of failure. So friends, may we be quick to respond, to accept the call that God places in our own lives, and to serve with joy, knowing that God will equip us and guide us and help us each and every day. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.